in my 15 going on 16 years abroad, there have been a few patterns that I've noticed over the years, and especially those that lead to some of the reasons why people end up leaving or maybe not having the best experience. And a lot of that can be with how you set yourself up at the very beginning based on realistic expectations or the steps that you actually take in the initial stages before you even leave your home country. Because there can be the bits and pieces along the way that you have to pick up. Because I've seen it plenty of times where someone may find themselves in a situation where maybe they forgot to do something back in the U.S. and having to either go through a whole huge headache while living abroad or having to go back to the U.S. to take care of it and then come back to where they've been residing. In this episode, I wanted to cover a checklist of things that I would say are probably among the most important things to think about. And I'd say it's probably about time we get started, so roll that intro. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter on another Friday night. I'm Rafael Di Furia, and let's just jump straight into this. And the first thing that I want to say is whatever you're planning to do, plan as early ahead as you can. You don't want to go crazy, start making plans 20 years in advance. Okay, maybe there are certain things that you can get lined up in your life that will help make a transition to life abroad easier for you over that longer period of time. But I think there's a a window of time between, say, a month to six months to three months before you end up going where it's really going to be the sweet spot that actually could be some of the most deciding factors as to how smooth your transition into life abroad will be, as well as the ability to enjoy your life outside of the US or Canada, UK, Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Russia, Jordan, Nigeria, South Africa, wherever it is that you may find yourself leaving. But regardless of the location, the first thing that I would say is that it is always worthwhile to have your documentation all in order and to have copies of that because you never know when you're going to maybe need something for some process or this or that. And granted, you might find yourself in a situation where certain places may only accept documentation uh, that has been uh, issued within the last six months, three months, month. It can change depending on where you are, but uh, also we're not assuming necessarily that about visas and stuff. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but one of the biggest things is to make sure that if you're going to go someplace that you have a couple of copies of your birth certificate with apostilles uh, so that that can be ready to be translated and have it in the full length format, different states and depending on where you are, may have a short version or a long version, but to have that all ready to go because maybe you'll need to apply for citizenship somewhere eventually, or you'll need to get something and Sometimes getting those documents while living outside of the States can be a huge headache. And I would say also, of course, definitely get multiple copies if you can. Sometimes some states, it can be a little bit pricey, but it can definitely be worthwhile even if you never need them. The other thing is we're going to assume you already have a valid passport that will allow you to not only leave your country, but enter into the country that you're aiming to live in. But beyond that, it is worthwhile to make sure that your passport has plenty of years left on it. You don't want to get to a place and find out that because you only have one year on your passport left before it expires, that you can't get the visa for three years or five years because your passport will expire before that. You want to make sure that you have as long as possible and so that you don't have to be also trying to figure out, trying to get to an American consulate, an American embassy to make sure that you are able to renew because maybe you're going to be in a place where it's on the other side of the city, or maybe you're going to be in a place where it's on the other side of the country. 
they're not everywhere and getting these things is not always the most convenient. Sometimes you have to go in person. Sometimes you can do certain things by mail. But if you're in a place that has a, a mail service that is uh, acceptable, it's great. But if you're not in one of those places, then you may find yourself having some complications. But having yourself legally covered is not just from the documentation side, but that is also making sure that you understand what the rules, regulations, and laws are of the place that you're going to be, as well as common practices of what happens practically on a day-to-day -day basis. There may be some places where you might be looking to move and they might ask you for six months of rent up in advance. There might be a place where they might ask you for a year in advance, or and that could be perfectly legal in some places. But there could be other places where maybe that has been made illegal, but people are still doing it. But people who are coming to the country don't necessarily know that. And some people who are still maybe more used to the old system might be not necessarily taking advantage of directly. But maybe there are some people who would be taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge on a certain subject, or it could just be that they're not educated on the new rules in the system in where they live. So definitely get a good idea of how things normally work, because also some places may have different practices when it comes to security deposits or how much of a security deposit or what the security deposit covers or how much rent goes up front and what month is covered and like even in Portugal the way that you're paying for the, the the month ahead of time or the month behind I forget anyway sometimes it can get a little confusing depending on where you are uh, as to how the systems can work even though things on the outside can look practically similar sometimes there can be little differences that are worthwhile keeping in mind. But again, also before you leave, it is worthwhile making sure that if you have banking set up in the US that you have the proper addresses set up there so that if you're going to be leaving the country that it's either your address is listed at a family uh, member's home or uh, something else that you can make arrangements with your bank to make sure that all of that's taken care of if you are going to continue holding a bank account in your country if you're allowed to because not everywhere is that the case? That could be the case in where you're from, but it's not always a guarantee. But on the topic of banking, let's switch it over to finances. And that is one thing where I would say is it is very worthwhile to make sure that you're going to be covered and that you have savings behind you if possible. There could be circumstances that might not allow someone to have uh, financial backing behind them, or there might be the legal requirement to show that you have X amount of money in your bank account to make sure that you can, but there could be an emergency situation where maybe a person doesn't have that ability and has to move right in that moment for whatever reason it may be. Maybe it's financial because of work or other potential reasons which may not be worthwhile going into in this episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. But generally speaking, if possible, I would say it is worthwhile to have three to six months of savings to cover your expenses, to make sure that you can get by, to at least cover your apartment and maybe food or bills, whatever it can be. And yes, that could be a lot of money in your location that you're moving to and that might push back your move and that you have to save X amount more before you're able to make that move. But if possible, especially if you don't necessarily have a support system or you don't want to have to lean on others uh, or whether than your family or friends or whatever it may be. But of course, while living abroad, you do want to make sure that you are taking a little bit extra care because you do not want to end up in a rough sec of circumstances in a place where you may not speak the language. Another thing that I would say is really worthwhile taking into consideration is your health care concerns. And that could be um, insurance policy 
policy or whatever it may be. And in some countries, depending on your ability to stay there or your visa, whatever it may be, you may actually be required to have health insurance for your visa. It's not necessarily going to be the case everywhere, but in many places it is in fact the case to at least have some sort of private basic health insurance coverage. So it's worthwhile not only understanding what your personal needs are if you do run into an emergency situation, but also what are your legal requirements for where you're going to be. But also another thing is I would say, if possible, it is worthwhile going to a doctor in your home country, maybe even your doctor that you normally go to, just to have a just a quick little checkup to make sure you're doing all right, as well as to refill any prescriptions that you may have and to make sure that you can fill those prescriptions on a little bit of a longer term basis. So maybe that you can get a prescription that would allow you to buy a, few, a little bit extra than you might normally, just so that you can have some buffer room for, again, maybe three to six months, if it is legally possible, depending on your medication and the ability. Uh, that you might have where you are to have or even an extra month whatever it may be if you can have an extra supply if you do need medications you don't want to end up in a situation where you're either in limbo between your healthcare system provider in your former country or your insurance whatever if you are covered and then in the new country where you're going to be before everything's properly set up before you can start getting your uh, medications taken care of you just want to make sure that you don't put yourself if possible into a situation where you may be in an emergency. I can't say how many times I've heard about individuals maybe being between one healthcare system and another healthcare system, uh, that maybe they move to from country A to country B, but because their documents in country B weren't fully processed yet, that they weren't able to get onto the medical system in country B so that they couldn't get the, the medication that they needed, life-changing medication or medication that could potentially be life-threatening if they weren't able to continue taking. So these are all very very important to do and unfortunately it is something that i have heard from a number of expats over the years that i've been abroad and it is really not a nice thing to have to go through and i've seen people get very stressed and full of anxiety because their life could be actually in jeopardy but anyway that took a little bit of a dark turn uh, moving away from that you want to make sure also from the financial standpoint as well kind of getting back into that topic that you have the ability to actually be able to get by from day to day, whether that's you're going to be abroad for a month or a year or 10 years. You want to know what you have in front of you and what money will be coming in. So if you're retired, of course, the situation could be a little bit easier uh, to predict and to know what you'll have coming in on what sort of basis. If you are working for a company and you're able to work remotely, that'll also help you immensely. Or if you are somebody who works remotely as a freelancer, then okay, that puts you into a different situation. And each one of these may potentially also contribute to your ability to get an apartment and how a future landlord might see See your ability to pay for that apartment. So that is something to keep in mind is that you will want to be able to show that you have the ability to pay. And that's why sometimes in some countries where people are new, they're renting for the first time that a landlord might ask for six months or a full year of rent ahead of time before you even get into the apartment as a deposit. And so if you are able to work remotely, whether it's for your current job or a new job, whatever it may be, this is one of those things why I always say it is worthwhile to see if you can have that ability to earn that income even before you even leave your home country. But what actually could even be a little bit better for you is if you are getting a job locally. But of course, depending on the country where you're getting that job locally, 
the conditions or the amounts that you might be making may be a little bit more on the positive side or they might contribute to some difficulties in the long run. Another factor is that if you have children, how are they going to be educated? Are you going to take them to the local public school system? Is there a local public school system? It might depend on the country where you're moving to and the locations where you're going to be. Uh, or will they be going to a private school? Will they be going to a private school in the local language or an international private school? There are going to be situations where an international private school may lend itself better to certain individuals going through the experience of living abroad because maybe they're not fully committed to it and they're planning on going back to their home country. And so in some locations, you may find find international schools that hold by, say, the U.S. system or the British system and allow uh, uh, your child to be able to continue within the education that they were already receiving, or at least within the same system. There could be differences depending on where you're going. Personally, I would say if I were going to be living in a place that I would be more interested in maybe having my children, if I at least knew I was going to be that in that place for a, a significant portion of time, I would have the preference to have my children in a decent public school over like a great private school. I would want my children to have the ability to have that integration from a younger age because that's something where if you do go to one of those private international schools, a lot of those students may not get the same level of integration as some of the other students might and some of the linguistic abilities that they might have as time goes on could also differ. But it's not to say that one is inherently better than the other. That would just be if I had children just at this moment in time as a childless individual, this is my opinion. But of course, my opinion could change as well because you never know what the future may hold. But one quick note, though, for those of you who do homeschool is that homeschool is not legal in every country. And sometimes in some countries where it is legal, you may have to hold by certain curriculum or you may have to check in with an official or there may be rules that you have to abide by. So those are also really worthwhile understanding if you have that legal ability to do so. And if you do have that legal ability to do so and you are planning to be on in that country for a while, how can you best prepare your child for the future? And maybe if they want to attend university in that country. What can you do to help best set them up for that as well? Something that may not be surprising to you that I've said in many, many episodes of Not Your Average Globetrotter is to learn the language. And I'm going to just kind of skim over this point quickly because I've talked about it so many times. But understanding the local language, culture, and just day-to-day -day norms can make a huge difference in your experience living in the country where you will be. It can truly be a make-or-break detail. Going back, though, to talking about a little bit about housing and finding apartments, just one thing that I would say is worthwhile talking about briefly is that uh, depending on where you are, depending on the visa, there might be certain countries like, for example, currently Portugal, if you're coming from a non-EU member country, that you may have to actually have an apartment set up before you arrive. But I would also say, even if you are from like the EU and you're moving to Portugal, it isn't the worst thing to have an apartment set up before you're ready so you don't have to kind of have an in-between place. But if you are in a situation where you can't get an apartment or you do have to have that in-between place, it is worthwhile to maybe take a pilot trip and see if you do, in fact, have the desire to remain in the location where you are wanting to be. But because it is 2024, we do now have options because we live in the future. So video calls, like even for the apartment that I currently live in, I did rent it. It wasn't sight unseen necessarily, but I didn't see it 
in person. I had done a video call walkthrough of the apartment before ever visiting the apartment. So I had an idea of what it was that I was getting myself into. It just so happened that the pictures of the apartment were very good and that the uh, video call actually even looked better than the, the photos that already looked great. And then I got here in person. I was like, hey, this is even better than both of those. So in my situation, it worked out. It's not necessarily always going to be like that, but if you can do a video call walkthrough, in my opinion, it is beneficial. If you can find uh, an apartment where you are able to make those arrangements ahead of time through someone that is trustworthy, that is going to be, of course, the biggest chance that you might be taking is if your apartment actually exists and if the person renting it to you is actually able to be the party uh, that can rent it to you. But again, talking about the situation where you might not be able to get things set up ahead of time, you might want to look at getting a temporary place for a month, like an Airbnb. I, I find myself less and less able to recommend Airbnbs over time as time goes on, but you might at least want to have some sort of long-term stay available to you so that you can spend the time to see if you actually do want to stay in that place that location and to be able to look at apartments, to have time to breathe a little bit, that can definitely make a difference. That's something that I've done in the past and has made a major difference in my experiences overall to not have to worry about doing a, a, an apartment site unseen. Nowadays, I do have maybe a little bit of a mixed opinion that, yeah, it is maybe better if you can just go straight from the airport to your apartment where you're going to be living, but also at the same time, as do you, are you able to trust the place that you're going to be moving into? That's a big one. And so that's something that you're going to have to take into consideration with your checklist, your own personal checklist. But let's talk about actually bringing your stuff with you. Do you want to bring your stuff with you? Do you want to take your items from your home country to your new country? Do you want to put things in storage or do you want to get rid of a lot of things? Do you want to take a small amount of things? I mean, things like that can't be replaced, like say old family albums. Those are, those are a tricky one because do you want to leave them with a family member who you know is going to be living in the same place and is going to be able to store them safely and so on and so on? Or do you want to take them with you to your new country because you don't have that ability to leave them with someone? And personally, I would say don't put them in checked in luggage on an airplane. Too easy for those to get lost. And if you can, if it's not so many things, put as much as you can in your, in your hand luggage to carry on with you on the flight or through a trustworthy mover, an international mover. And that's also something that can be difficult to find a trustworthy international mover. There was even a guy who I've used to book a, a few different international moves with over the years, and he'd been trustworthy and helped me. And then at, my last move that I did with him was to Italy when I moved there. And he, even before that, was starting to become a little bit difficult to work with, and his responses were becoming difficult, uh, less and fewer responses. And then I was like, not so crazy about the situation, but then I even tried to contact him again, and it just, it wasn't worth it in the end. So someone who could be a great mover one time might not be a great mover the next time. And also, if you are moving from the US to Europe, do you want to bring your large, bulky American uh, sofas and furniture with you? Or do you want to maybe get new furniture that might better fit into your new space? Because keep in mind, if you are moving from the US to Europe, apartments and homes generally tend to be a bit smaller over here. But when you are making your international move and you are traveling by plane, at least assuming you're flying, uh, even if you're going by train, if you're already in a place that has that as an option, then I would say at least bring a day, two or three worth of clothing with you in your carry-on luggage, especially if you're flying by plane, because you might 
they, they could lose your luggage uh, depending on where you're flying to. I know I've flown through one airport in Europe a couple of times and I would say half of the times that I've flown through the airport, they've lost my luggage and the other half I've had it with me. But even when they lost my luggage, actually it wasn't necessarily the worst thing because they ended up delivering the, my luggage to me like the next day or maybe one time, two days after. And so that wasn't the worst. It was like, oh, okay, thanks for making my life both more convenient and also more stressful. <laughs> it ended up working out in the end. But regardless of the situation, it is always worthwhile having that backup plan in place. What are you going to do in case of an emergency? How much cash do you have? How much cash can you carry with you? How much cash can you bring with you to your new country? Because you may have limits on how much cash you can carry. And of course, keep in mind, there are going to be many places where you're not only going to be able to use a card. And even though many people are used to that, uh, that is something that it will depend on your location. There are places in the world where you might actually have a tough time using cash. It just depends on where you're going. And those places I would say are fewer and farther between, but it, they exist. But personally, I always do think it is worthwhile having cash on you to make sure that if you need to pay for a taxi, if you need to pay for a hotel, if you need to even book a ticket to have enough money with you available to you that you don't have to worry about your card getting blocked or something happening that you don't have access to your money to be able to make your arrangements that is very, very important to have that with you. And so keep in mind, what are the rules? How do they work? And how much you want to bring with you? How much you feel comfortable having with you? Because there are also going to be places where maybe you don't want to have a ridiculous amount of cash with you. I mean, though you should be so lucky to live in a position where you can have a ridiculous amount of money with you. This also gets back into what I was saying before about having that three to six months that you can live on and make sure that you are going to be okay wherever you're going to be. But this is where I'm going to round out this episode of Not Your Average Globe Trotter. So thank you all so much for joining me. And thank you also very much to those of you who helped make these episodes possible through the one-time donations, such as the thanks button here on YouTube, as well as the monthly support through Patreon to help keep this project project going rafaeldifuria.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash rafaeldifuria as always stay safe and healthy out there i'm Rafael Furia, and i will see you all next time for another episode of not your average globetrotter later 